Hello and welcome to the Black Sheep episode about a black sheep of the Zelda franchise, Zelda 2. This is episode 53. I'm Matt Falva. I'm joined by... Attila Gabriel Brzezinski. Now, this game, I was a bit intimidated for us to take a look at because it's notoriously difficult. It's uh, notoriously obtuse. I mean, it being obtuse isn't so bad. I used to walk through. Uh, that's not the uh, hardest yeah, I did part. Too. It's the, the toughest part of this game is just the sheer difficulty so we'll be talking about that we'll be talking about the huge changes it made away from the very very successful zelda one and basically all the other zeldas that came after it went back to that original formula this has some of that too but plenty plenty to discuss what are some of your opening thoughts on this game Attila? so zelda 2 i mean it's one of those things where yeah you you sort of hear in the same way that like the mario brothers 2 or at least the version we got in the west was sort of regarded as the black shape of the franchise Mm -hmm. because it differed so greatly from the original but yeah maybe it's not the best quote-unquote zelda game you'll ever play but it's a solid game like absolutely in terms of something you can go back and replay it's if you don't think about it too much as a Zelda game, mm-hmm. but actually think of it more in terms of a 2D Dark Souls yes. kind of game, it's so Dark you're going to have a lot of fun with this. If, I, if, if you are a younger gamer who loves Dark Souls, uh, I think you're going to find a lot to like here because there's, uh, it's the difficulty, it's the dueling, it's, there were, if, we, if you just want to talk about games as, as a raw motion you feel... I got the same feeling playing this game that I often did playing Dark Souls or Bloodborne, where I'm slowly creeping through a dungeon, and I'm wondering, oh my god, what does the next screen have in store for me? And then an enemy just comes like screaming out at you, and you have to act really fast. The reason that it works is that the difficulty is so high, and the consequences are high, but they're like short-term consequences. You can die very easily to enemies, and you don't want to waste magic, because all these things are limited resources. Yeah. And you can, you can, while you can die easily, even if you have to continue, they send you back to the start of the map, but all of your progress, for the most part, is saved. The thing you lose is the experience. So it's this careful balancing act of all the resources and the experience and the temple progress. But I think they do it in a really, really smart way where the difficulty and those consequences really heighten the tension. But I never really felt like it was unfair. For the most part, there was always a way to deal with enemies, and a lot of times there was multiple ways to deal with them. Absolutely. There's definitely, like, the game, let's be honest, getting into this game, I mean, as, again, we're just going to be making so many Dark Souls analogies here, because getting into this game is like getting into a Souls game where just you're going to get your butt kicked Mm -hmm. really badly at first, until you start to learn the intricacies of the combat and honestly until you you have to unlock some of the combat abilities yeah. that you get throughout the game yeah the downward thrust isn't once i got that downward thrust it was it was a whole new world where all of a sudden you're not as terrified of the enemies and you can sort of run much like souls where you end up just kind of running past people you can just run and do that downward thrust and um like if anyone's played shovel, uh, shovel knight or ducktales it's the pogo attack yeah. he's able to uh get through a lot of them and you can't always damage all the enemies like that that would be too easy but it is a way mm-hmm. to sometimes just safely bounce past them and move on yeah there's some really interesting stuff they do with the combat like this being a 2d game it's uh, or a 2d side scrolling game specifically you don't have as many different vectors to run in that's right there's no like hardly anywhere to hide I'm, or run i'm really looking forward to rolling out of zelda 2 
into Dark Souls where I can actually dodge roll in multiple vectors. Whereas like in Zelda, you, you can either go towards the enemy or away from them. That's really all you can do. Yeah. And I really like what they do with the combat in terms of the fact that you have uh, Link has a basically a ability to either be standing upright holding a shield or crouching down. Mm-hmm. He's automatically positioning his shield low. And you have to watch the enemy sprites really carefully, and yeah. you'll see this tiny little telegraph. Like, I'm having trouble thinking of other early games that did this kind of attack telegraphing so well, where you just see this little sprite eke out behind the enemy, yeah. and then that's how you know they're about to attack high or attack low, or shoot a projectile high or shoot a projectile low. Yeah, I'm thinking mainly of, uh, there's one called Blue Iron Knuckle, the Blue Shield Knight. Oh, yeah. And he, when you hit him, all the, or she, all of a sudden, because he's, he's launching projectiles high, low, but there's a lot of space in between them. And then when you attack him, yeah. he gets this sort of flurry where it's like up, up, low, low, low. And it might just be five consecutive ones up, and you're just waiting for that lower one to go in. And for him, I would jump in, attack, run away, so I had a bit more time. Hopefully yeah. other enemies don't come at you from behind. But it's, I mean, you just like white knuckle on the edge of your seat. There's so much tension there, but it's so clearly telegraphed which is the most important part. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where, like, by watching enemy behaviors, you will get better at playing the game mm. because you know how they move. You know, like, okay, an enemy just jumped and attacked. You have X amount of time to close the distance and try to get a hit off on them. Um, and there's also stun lock on a lot of the enemies, which really, yes. really helps out, especially the ones that yes. are moving fast or flying. Uh, that Like, there's that one that kind of looks like the... Um, the that creepy mask from Mario Two, and it's one that sort of flies through the air up and down, and you can stun lock that one. And I actually yeah, cheated the, and the used bubble. the bubble thing, yeah. And I used uh, rapid fire on my emulator, and then I can just hit that thing thirty or forty times. But you still had to be conscious of it because it would slowly move you back. You had to keep your distance. It's tough, yeah. tough but fair. Telegraphing. It's a very, very complex and elegant combat system. That and there's a ton of thought that goes into it. Uh, for these yeah, enemies. Absolutely. I think the enemies are actually, because most of the temples are basically the same, it's, you know, you, they can't do too much with the the environments. Uh, it's the enemies that give you the, the variety and the newness. You just, when you sort to get used to like, okay, I think I could take out these enemies now, they introduce something else that has a slight wrinkle to the formula. Yeah, I mean, there's a genuinely good amount of variety in there. Uh, when I went into a temple, I made a point of not using a guide. Like I used a guide to get me from temple to temple because some of the stuff that we're going to, we're probably going to talk about later. Some of the overworld stuff is rather obscure, Mm. but once you actually get into a temple and you have a sort of sense of, okay, I'm in this space now I'm doing things in here. It's not too difficult to find your way through it. Um, you know, lacking a map, like you'd sort of expect in a traditional Zelda game, I feel like if this game were remade today, they they would include a map. Yeah. Just because uh, you'd think, you know, how could you get lost going left and right? But they also introduce elevators that take you up and down floors. And by nature of this game running on the NES and having a limited tile palette, a lot of the rooms can look a little samey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do love that with just a very limited collection of enemies and like, okay there's blocks that can fall from the ceiling and there's blocks that can break as you run over them they're able to create a 
surprising variety of challenges. True, yeah. Because it's not always about the enemies you're fighting. Sometimes it's about the enemies you're fighting as you're dealing with these other environmental problems. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, they, they sort of took a page out of Metroid in a lot of ways where they, even though, like you said, it's only two-dimensional, the um, ability to go up and down and then multiple routes creates a, a bit of a labyrinth. Um, but then you do yeah. sort of get to know the the areas by the challenges that they present. And like you said, most of it would be so many, so many of the enemies would be so easy to deal with it was if it was just them. But they'll layer that in where now you're dealing with an environment and an enemy at the same time or two groups of enemies. And you really, yeah. you really have to manage your time. This isn't something, some of the enemies you can come at slowly, but once they introduce all those multiple elements, the longer you sit and wait there, they might just keep spawning more and more and more of them. So you have to consider time as sort of an extra dimension to deal with. Yeah, and there's an interesting thing they played with where the enemies that do respawn frequently don't award you with experience. Right. So you can't just like sit in one place, wait for an enemy to come hopping along towards you, stab it, get experience, wait for the next one. Like Those guys actually drain experience if they hit you. Right. And... Um, that can be that can make leveling within a dungeon very difficult. Mm. Um, I did a lot of level grinding just in the swamps near the early part of the game, right. where there's a bunch of the little octoroks that have a very uh, easy to get down movement pattern. They jump, they shoot, so you just know that as long as you're standing upright, you'll block their shots. And then you crouch, hit them a couple times, then wait. And that's again, let's just look at the design of that one enemy. Sure. It's so simple. It's this thing that you can't hit if you're standing upright, yeah. which means you have to crouch down to hit it. But if you want to be able to block its projectile, you have to be standing upright. So just the fact that it has that little hop means you have to like calculate your timing and you have to know like when are you going to try and close the gap? Like when is this thing do you have to like hold your shield upright so that you can't you don't get hit by it? Um like that sort of design feels evident in almost every enemy in the game. It's it's simple, but it's elegant in its simplicity. Yeah, absolutely. They really do so much with so little, but it is done with a lot of thought. The control in this game is extremely tight. I love the way Link feels when he jumps. He's got a nice weight to him, the way he sort of flings yeah. himself up and comes down. However they work the physics there, it just feels fantastic. I never feel... Yeah. I never feel like I die in this game because of poor controls or because it's no, unfair. It's, it, you're not jumping. This isn't like a Mario platformer. This is a game that you can jump in and they actually work the jump into your attack patterns in a really cool way. Um, you'll get a feel for it as you play the game, but there's this uh, idea that when you're attacking the Iron Knuckles, the little knight enemies, that what you really want to do is jump and hit them in the head. Mm. But if you jump and swing your sword at the apex of your jump, that's too soon. Yeah. So what you end up doing is you get this really nice feel for it eventually. That You jump, wait, and then swing your sword just as you're... Uh, like really you you can almost imagine it like you're bringing it right down mm -hmm. on the enemy's head and then you land and just through this uh very simple control scheme combination of what you're doing you get this feeling that you're doing something far more grand than just the little actions that are being represented by the pixel artwork on the screen um yeah it's just really quickly mm -hmm. one other one other thing that felt like that 
is you know you're you're imagining yourself in this dungeon and you're you're walking along and a skeleton enemy ambushes you that skeleton enemy they could have just placed it on the ground but what they did was they had it up on the ceiling Mm -hmm. and it falls down towards you and you actually see it performing a little down thrust as it does because that's probably just its neutral like air down sprite but what that ends up building for you at least what how i felt when i saw that is like oh wow it feels like there's a skeleton enemy ambushing me like dropping down from the ceiling Mm -hmm. it's not by accident that they place that enemy on the ceiling like yeah you're gonna run into this enemy whether they place it on the ground or they place it above you but it feels more interesting it feels more high fantasy that there's like enemies crawling along the walls and they're gonna drop down and ambush you yeah absolutely it's again like dark souls it feels like you and then when you get you start expecting these traps and and you're every new screen you're thinking Oh, it's going to be here. You might come across a statue that maybe sometimes gives you a potion. Other times, it turns into an enemy. And I've saved scum right oh, yeah. at that po- right at that statue, and it's it's all random on on the instant that you do. Oh yeah, you you use this. You used an emulator so you could save scum. And I did this legit. I didn't use any save scumming. Mm. So uh, there were a lot of times where I would die and have my progress reset all the way back. I have to trek out to the, the temple out. again. And you know what? I think that made me better at the game. And I, I would encourage people who are playing. I encouraged you to do this as well, mm-hmm. is to not use save scumming, is to try and get there legit. Because in getting to the temples, you're going to be improving your skill at all the traversal hazards that it requires for like you to get from point a to point b because hey let's talk about the overworld yeah okay so but also i'll just defend my saves coming and sure i want to practice a specific skill i want to reload 10 times so i can find out how do i take on this one enemy not go back and get really good at all the other stuff i was fine at and then have uh this only one more chance oh i lose because i can't even remember what's happening but that's my defense for mm. saves coming. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's always a delicate balance of... Uh, like, we talked about this in our episode on death. Like, what is a fair penalty for, like... You know, like, a designer ultimately has to choose what is the penalty. Mm. In Zelda 2, your penalty for losing is that you go back to the start, you lose your progress, uh, your traversal progress, and you lose your experience. What you don't lose is your progress within a dungeon. Uh, If you have collected any keys and unlocked any doors, that's saved. Mm. And, you know, everything else, like your items that you've collected, um, other things that you get, that's also saved. So that's the penalty that they chose. So what traversal experience do you lose, then? Uh, I just mean that, like, your your experience in physically, like, you have to get back to where you die. Which is a, a whole minefield in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of the things about the overworld where, again, the, what makes Zelda 2 feel far more like an RPG, on top of the fact that you have uh, a straight-up leveling mechanic in mm-hmm. this game, like every enemy you kill nets you experience. Um, but you have this overworld where your character is traveling around and they have enemies that spawn in at random, which if you bump into them, you'll trigger a random encounter which is just a little sort of 2D, gotta fight the enemy, um, as if it were like a cave or a dungeon or something like that. And 
you can mitigate those challenges by staying on the path, which is cool because there's typically a path around the world. So if you're going from one town to another, mm-hmm. there is a longer path that's clearly laid out on the overworld that you can take. Or you can like cut through a forest, but then you're more likely to run into enemies. And doesn't that just feel like a real sort of risk reward? Mm-hmm. Like you can cut through the dangerous forest full of enemies where you may or may not encounter. Like it's not guaranteed. Yeah. An enemy might not spawn or even a fairy might spawn. You might get your health back. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like they're just tempting you in a way because it is so randomized and and when the when the enemies spawn on the overworld and come after you they're very very fast but if you're quick enough yeah. you can avoid them but they're so fast that any hesitation or wrong move is going to get you into that random encounter but like you say but you could also get the fairy so there's just so many options to weigh yeah. um and there's also this open world is so much bigger than i initially thought it was it just keeps expanding mm-hmm. And there are little side quests you can do. Yeah. So you can get different uh, different abilities and magic spells that you might not get. Uh, and you just have to, you get those by just paying attention to talking to NPCs. And they give you a very, very simple basic clue that out of context sounds really stupid. But uh, every, basically, almost every word matters. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you and I both played this game with a guide. Um, I sort of knew going into this game that I was just going to play it with a guide because yeah, by talking to every NPC in a village, you will learn what you need to do, like to succeed on the quests that help you progress through the game. Um, But some of it is definitely a little obscure like sometimes you might not get the hints or riddles if you really want a challenge you can absolutely play this game without a guide uh that's not something that even i the, felt know, the, like i was up for without playing the guide i think th- the problem is that you might go the wrong way well you definitely mm-hmm. probably will go the wrong way and you might end up spending hours and hours in a very difficult section only to realize you can't beat this portion because you didn't get a special like there's some there's a lot of specific items where you really have to do it in order for for mm-hmm. a lot of it the fairy is is crucial to some areas um yeah. and you just might it's not so much like i think zelda one was a little more freeform where you could go through them in different ways it just made it easier if you yeah. did it in a certain path but this one there are very crucial items much like the later 3d zeldas where you're not beating this without say a boomerang or a, the build yeah, ability to a fairy i was just reading through a some fact i didn't realize that when you're the fairy you can go through locked doors oh yeah i totally forgot about that and it makes it so much easier but that's a huge cost to turn into a fairy there's a lot of that yeah, weighing it's... that is the do you use a lot more magic to get a bunch of your life back do you use a small mm-hmm. amount of magic to activate a shield that only lasts for one screen if you get hit a few times yeah. that actually works out better you're gonna have more life do you use the jump spell it's mm-hmm. I mean, there's magic in this game. There's experience. If, and like Dark Souls, every time you choose, when you level up, you can choose to either expand your health, your attack mm-hmm. power. No, you can't choose. You can. You can? Yes. What? Yeah, you can You can choose not to. So what happens is you can choose your health, your attack power, or your magic, right? But, but then once you choose Wait, one, you- the prices change. So what happens is the next time you reach the minimum level to to level up the cheapest one, it'll give you the option. But if you want to save up your experience for the next one, you can say, I don't want to level up right now. And then you oh, keep... Oh, how do you do that? Uh, 
I don't know, press select or okay. something. <laughs> or, <laughs> See, I didn't even know. I just, every time I earned enough experience to level up, I was just like, yeah, cash that in. Yeah, and that's probably the best way to go is to keep it even. But I think for a while I was trying to level up my uh, magic and my attack power. I really want, because yeah. I found killing the enemies faster seemed to help me rather than having more life. But yeah, so, but then every time <laughs> you choose something, it, it jacks up the price exponentially. Yeah. So every, even that decision is not, it, it basically turns things away from being mindless. There's nothing in this game that is mindless. Yeah. I didn't know it was a decision, but whatever, <laughs> whatever the default leveling curve in the game is yeah. that I was following seems to make sense. Like in terms of It keeps investing, it all even keel. Yeah, absolutely. Which is super So that important. way you, absolutely, yeah, because it, it you you might have a preference as to which one you level up. Uh, I definitely feel like attack is very useful to level up, just because then you can kill enemies in fewer hits, and therefore they ha- there is less time that you have to spend in combat with some of them. Because, yeah. as you mentioned right near the beginning of the episode, when you're fighting one of those blue iron knuckles, and every hit you get off on him, he will throw this like array of projectiles at you, which is like really crazy fast and hard to dodge Mm -hmm. so if you can kill him in fewer hits it's that much less time you have to spend fighting him that much less likely that you're going to take a hit and take damage and therefore your attack is slightly more valuable than your health yeah that's that's the way i thought i I think i leveled that up um, quite a bit just to get through and it does make a big difference because you're it's it's like dark souls bosses they have it's not that hard to get a few hits on them but it's about proving that you can do it over a long period of time Mm -hmm. um man it's uh it's funny how they how they just went so differently with this one whereas the first zelda if people aren't aware was top down two-dimensional and was all played from the same perspective and it was more of a more of a bullet hell type thing you were sort of avoiding a lot of bullets and attacks dodging used a lot of the same strategies for them it was still a fairly difficult game and they went to that same thing with link to the past and most of the as far as I know, most of the portable versions 2D of Zelda. 2D top-down, yeah. And then 3D Zelda went and put more of an emphasis on uh, environmental puzzles. Um, yeah. But keeping the dueling, uh, but it's a much more simplified dueling. I think that, like, none of the combat in the 3D Zeldas is usually very difficult. It's almost always block and try to dodge it the one time and then attack. Yeah, I'd say the most interesting combat experiences you're going to have, like, game by game. Um, Wind Waker is a lot of fun but the combat system is very easy because they they just sort of flash on screen when you actually have to counterattack an enemy um and then pressing the a button in that time will perform a context sensitive counterattack so easy still fun yeah yeah, it's it's still fun but i find it i find it i find it very (laughs) tedious i'm playing wind waker at the same time right now and it's Mm. i find it very uh the lack of challenge in that game other than sort of the thought that goes into the puzzles uh pretty yeah. boring and pretty empty and i found that with breath of the wild too <laughs> it's they, all relative right yeah for sure but it's i find that this game even though is more like exhilarating to play and more difficult i feel the most desire to go back to and, and want to beat it because it, it's been exciting every step of the way and i really don't know what's coming next yeah i mean in ocarina of time one of my favorite enemies to fight was the uh, was i think also an iron knuckle or they might have called them dark nuts <laughs> that that they're both names that refer to knight like armor type enemies so it's kind of hard to tell which game is using which term mm. um but yeah in an arc of time 
those guys hit really hard. You have to really pay attention to their attack patterns. They're pretty fun to fight just because they're they're a decent challenge. Um, I really like the combat in Breath of the Wild just because it's so varied because there is so much stuff you can do. Yeah. Playing with um, the Skyward Sword combat was a little gimmicky because of the fact that you have to like attack enemies at certain angles. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still made for some interesting encounters. I just n- nothing really stands out from that game. Again, Zelda 2 combat is so tight and so focused because I'd say the game is primarily about the traversal and then the combat encounters. Like that that is what the bread and butter of this game is. Mhm. It's I think so. it's I think Zelda 2 probably has the best combat in the whole franchise because it is it's the high praise. It's it's the most uh it's the most nuanced. I think it's the tightest. I think it's the most challenging. It has a lot of like Breath of the Wild that has a lot of flexibility with how you deal with the situation. Um but it it has more depth. I find with Breath of the Wild I love the combat for all the fun physics experiments you could do and sneaking up on enemies but i found when i got to more difficult enemies like say the first time you deal with a lionel it basically comes Mm -hmm. down to doing the same counter attack like in wind waker the parry strike Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again and i was really hoping for some variety there but it it felt like i just had to do that 10 times and i got a little bit bored of of you know that challenge halfway through Mm -hmm. i still it's breath of the wild is still my favorite zelda game and one of my favorite games ever but uh this zelda 2 combat is um it's it's deep it's tight it's nuanced it's elegant it's challenging and it's it's something that i miss in other zelda games where i feel like they are just sometimes a little too easy to hold my interest yeah it all depends on the kind the the level of difficulty that you want out of a game experience Mm -hmm. because you know in the same way that you modified the the difficulty in the game by using save scumming yeah yeah uh, you sort of removed a penalty mm-hmm. in terms of the fact that you were able to continue. Because um, like, you can clear a screen and do relatively well on your way to fight one of these enemies. But by the time, uh, when I was playing through the first temple of the game, I remember uh, the path that I had to take to get to the first temple, I was doing it just like out of muscle memory. All right. Like, I was thinking like, okay, enemy's going to appear here, duck, stab, jump over this guy, hit him. Like you reach a level of proficiency at clearing those stages. You feel like an absolute master at getting through it. It's like remembering a really, really long exclusive handshake. (laughs) Yeah, in a way. Um, And then you mentioned, I want to sort of circle back to this. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the fact that you have spells in the game and... I can't think of a single spell that uh, they they all last. If if they last at all, if they're not just one off effect, they're meant to last on the screen in which you invoke them. Yeah. So by that choice. I mean, if you are if you see like a difficult enemy in front of you, you have that choice as you mentioned. Like, do you want to spend a lot of magic to regain health, or do you want to use a like half as much or a quarter as much magic to invoke a shield spell, which I think halves the damage or like does a quarter of the damage. It it substantially decreases the amount of damage that you take from enemy attacks. And the thing is it only lasts for the screen on which you use it. Whereas the increasing your health, obviously your health persists between screens. So you are often, um, and your magic of course is finite. Like you have to hope that you can kill an enemy and they'll drop either a blue potion, which restores a little bit of magic or a red potion, which is amazing. And it restores all your health. Um, 
one of the ways that I sort of mitigated the difficulty in this game was I would just find a section of a temple where bats would spawn Mm -hmm. and then just kill like 30 of them until one of them finally dropped a red potion and use that to restore my health and then do it all over again. So I had full magic. Yeah. So that's, you know, in any game, there's always going to be ways that you can mitigate the difficulty for yourself. In Pokemon, you can grind levels until your characters are stronger. In Zelda, you can use, uh, in most Zeldas, you can use like bottles with potions in them that replenish your health or fairies that just auto heal you when you die. Like they're, they're, the game designers will always give you mechanisms to reduce the difficulty. Mm-hmm. Case in point, I wasn't exploiting a mechanic. They could have just made it so that bats didn't respawn. Sure. That may or may not have been a limitation of the NES, but they are able to have other enemies that persist in memory and don't respawn. Yeah, yeah. So there's a very specific reason as to why the bats respawn and specifically the bats drop items. They could have done one or two things. Either um, if the NES didn't have the memory limitation... Uh, like if, if the NES couldn't keep in memory that the bats were supposed to stay dead, they could have just made it so that bats, that those types of enemies don't drop items. Mm-hmm. They could have made it so that only the enemies that the NES can actually remember that they stay dead, only those drop items. So it's... You also have is to it risk an the... Kind of? You have to also risk the uh, the extended battle where you might be losing yeah. health because you have to keep up this act of continually, successfully knocking them out. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where a lot of the time you feel like, oh, I've found this great exploit. Maybe, sometimes, in a less well-designed game. I've definitely talked about there are exploits in a lot of the games I've brought to light that I've played. But in a game like this, it feels by design. In a game like Dark Souls 2, it's very much by design. And I don't, sorry, I don't mean like... I mean Dark Souls as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't specifically mean Dark Souls 2 and not the others somehow. But if there's something that you can take advantage of that reduces the difficulty of an encounter, hey, guess what? By realizing that, you've solved a puzzle that the designers put in intentionally. Yeah, and it's and everything in there has a, a pro and a con. It's so well-balanced. Yeah. Um, everything, almost everything is a choice and a very conscious choice. And it's... This this game holds up a lot better than I thought it would. I actually I owned this when I was a kid, and I remember my neighbor always wanted to play it, and I thought, oh no, I, that's <laughs> game's too hard. I don't know, I don't get what's going on. I want to exist in a happy, fun world of Super Mario Three, not this horrifying world where monsters lurk around every corner and, and it's you against the world. Um, like you said, if if they would bring this game back, putting on a a world map would be really nice. And, and in that sense, I always recommend people to use a walkthrough at least mm-hmm. for the world map aspect of it, or just, just just to give you a direction of where to go. Uh, if you can find one that's a bit more, a bit less, um, like if, if you enjoy, like you said, uh, to kind of get through the, t- once you're in the temple, yeah, it may be put away the walkthrough and discover things on your own because I think that's a lot more fun. Unless, you, and the, But if you're a person that wants to 100% it, then there's walkthroughs out there for that. They're going to like literally tell you to go left, right, the whole way through yeah, and every absolutely. item to get. But uh, just, to, just to give you a bare bones start of where you need to go what you need to do just to kind of maximize your time and end that frustration but it it really really holds up i found this game uh fantastic and i'll uh i'll always look at it a little differently when i finally get around to ranking all my zeldas that's my quest right now is to beat all the zeldas so i can properly give them a nice. biased personal ranking that will only apply to me <laughs> well i think that um i want to be clear when i say that they should add a map to the game i don't feel like they should just 
here give you the whole map i feel like a map should be filled out as you visit each screen yes. just so that you have this sense of like keeping track of where you've been mm-hmm. just that way like uh, you know in theory you can trace out a map on paper yourself which i know a lot of older games sort of relied on the fact that the player would be doing that um and i feel like it may as well be the game doing that for you mm-hmm. because it's it's just nice to have some measure of um where you've been and where you're going or even the fact that if this was made with remade with modern graphics that the rooms would look unique uh, different enough from each other yeah. that you'd have a better sense of where you're going and where you've been just based on being able to recognize um key features of the game uh, like visual cues that's what i was going for yeah and it's i mean i get that almost sounds like a romantic idea in terms of of having that map next to you and scratching it out and pausing it and taking a look in your little adventures pack. Um, but like you say, it's a lot easier to just have it digitally represented on screen. I understand they had probably big limitations with the hardware. They probably could have, if you paused it, there would be another screen that had kind of like an ASCII style, real simple diagram of where you're going. Yeah, they, I mean, there's out of there NES games that have mini maps. Yeah, I guess so actually. Yeah. They really could have done it. <laughs> uh, and that would have been a lot more helpful. Um, and then also some kind of world map of just to get an idea. I'm sure that the instruction manual, or at least if you uh, got yeah, your parents to buy a copy of Nintendo Power, um, there were like, actually, I just looked at one from Nintendo Power. It was a beautifully illustrated, hand-drawn map of the world to uh, give you a yeah, better idea of, of where to go. But, you know, that's a little extra thing. That's when they had the limitations in that or they just didn't want to do it at the time, you would find that helpful stuff outside of the game. Yeah. So as yeah. of the time of this recording, neither of us have actually beaten the game. No. I think I'm a little further ahead in the game than you are. We were just sort of discussing. I have two temples left to clear in the game because mm-hmm. I think there's seven. And uh, I think I just finished beating what the guide said was the hardest boss in the game. And yeah, that took a lot of attempts. But you will feel so triumphant when you beat these bosses because that's one thing I definitely know about Wind Waker is that the bosses, like... Uh, when I was watching my little sister play through the game um, a couple years ago, I was seeing like, oh, wow, she's fighting these bosses and they're really just standing there waiting for her to hit her. Yep. Not so in this game, not so in Zelda 2. They will rip you to shreds and consume all your lives and all your magic and everything. So They come at you fast with intent to kill. And it's, you know, to... It's interesting to talk about Wind Waker and the future Zeldas and see where the series went. Um, I was playing Wind Waker and uh, this great beast rises up from the ocean. Mm-hmm. And you get into this sort of mini-boss encounter. And at first I thought, well, this is so exciting. What a wonderful thing. And then I realized, I don't think it can actually hurt you in any way. It just Oh, it can. The big octo. Really? I was in the battle yeah. for a very long time, just slowly throwing the boomerang at it over and over and over again. And it was just so boring. I never took any damage from it at all. And it just the, took multiple the boomerang throw octos, attempts. And then the, it, it seemed like the only consequence was that if I didn't kill it in time, it would suck me up and throw me across the map. Yes. There you go. Yeah, that's that's what it would do. And then, yeah, so obviously the, big, the first big octos you encounter, the ones with the fewest eyes, are the easiest to kill. Yeah. And then... There are some big octos which have more eyes, more points you have to hit on them, and they are much harder to kill before you spiral in too close and it eats you and spits you out. But again, for me, the the consequence of that is just 
it's like a ticking oh, no. time bomb of doing the same thing and then your consequences yeah. uh, now you have to spend more time traversing the map which is yeah. the most boring part so it's uh, yeah. The, yeah the difficulty for for me in Wind Waker lets, lets me down I, I find with that game I want to stop playing and then all of a sudden something really interesting will happen I'm kind of hit or miss on that game yeah it's definitely it's one of those things where like I feel like most people's favorite Zelda game is very often the one they play first at least that was the case for me until Breath of the Wild because, mm-hmm. oh my god, that game is just so beautiful and perfect in so many ways. But yeah, maybe I'm thinking of Wind Waker through some rose-tinted glasses because that was my first Zelda game. Sure. Ocarina um, was mine, and I haven't gone back to that. I'm sure that if I did, I did have to help my brother through it when he was trying to play it recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got to the point where the game doesn't tell you what you need to do in the next part. And it's mm-hmm. that could be very, very obtuse as well. But I found yeah. um, the thing with Wind Waker is that once I got into those big meaty dungeons, I realized, yeah. man, if you love Zelda for the 3D Zeldas for long, intricate dungeons that unfold room by room and are designed beautifully yeah. to maximize your time in the space, you'd probably be pretty disappointed with Breath of the Wild's shrines and Divine Beasts. Where I like those because I'm, mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't need to spend two hours in one dungeon. I, yeah. I like them breath of the, I think that fit the open world atmosphere perfectly where you can choose little chunks if you want to keep doing a bunch of shrines do it um, but it's 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 probably a far better experience of breath of the wild if you are fine with just doing tiny pieces of the dungeons but if that's what you're there for yeah I can see why people didn't like it as much yeah it's one of those things where like we talked way way more about this in our actual breath of the wild episode yeah but um yeah it's all to say that the challenges you face in the, let's tie it back to Zelda 2 here. Yes. The challenges he faces in that dungeon and the dungeons in this game, it is primarily to do with combat encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really not as much about the puzzle solving um, in that the only real puzzles are find where to go to get key, get key, and use key on locked door to get to new part of dungeon. Don't get lost. Yeah. And it's basically just so. the combat. It's it's try to stay alive and every time yeah. you go into a new room, we're going to throw an enemy at you in a way you might not expect. It might come from the yeah. ceiling. Blocks might be falling. Uh, there mm. might be two of them. They might be coming at you from all sides. Uh, there's, you know, there are some later on where you have to, you know, you're falling down a couple vertical spots. You need to sort of yeah. pay attention. And but for me, it was more. It was more like a Dark Souls dungeon where it wasn't so much you try to do a puzzle. It was more of just. You're on your guard because you don't. You have a very limited amount of life, and you don't want to. Well, you don't want to be sent back. I can just save some no, my yeah. way through. But uh, it's just, I was so tense. Like I know that as soon as I come around this corner, something is going to come screaming at me, and you have to figure out how to defeat it in like the split second that it takes for it to get to you. Yeah. So Oof. overall, this is definitely a Zelda game you want to play for the combat not for the puzzles if you could even like the puzzles in this game are finding out where to go next and that's yeah. why you're following the guide is to figure out where to go next pretty much yeah so, it's, it's um it's doing little mini quests for people but yeah it's just kind of like grab this fetch this bring it back i mean there are some areas where if i didn't have a walkthrough i would have thought how would anyone have figured out to visit yeah. this part of the map do this yeah like a little forest tile that looks no different from any other forest tile and like in a way i love and i hate that at the same time because Mm -hmm. i i i hate it because like oh my god as you said how how would anyone ever figure this out but at the same time i do sort of love it because like 
yeah, you had to explore. You had to find this. It's like the equivalent of a, a not an invisible wall, but like um, a breakable wall in right. Dark Souls. Like you, you attack and the wall like just fades away and disappears and there's a whole big thing behind it. It's this thing that you really can't tell that it's there unless you're just walking and exploring in the world. And mm-hmm. in a way, that's what we are sort of hearkening back to and what we love so much about Breath of the Wild is that you find stuff by exploring the world. It's just a little easier to spot from a distance than it was in Zelda 2. Absolutely. Man, there's so many times that I am playing some of these newer games and uh, all the items on the ground are lit up and highlighted so they all look exactly the same. And I think of Breath of the Wild, how it actually made me use my senses in a way, actually keep your eyes on the environment, not on a mini-map. And yeah. uh, because that was how they rewarded you, and this game too, you need to be glued to it, and you need to watch for visual cues. And so, yeah, I, I think my main experience of playing this and coming back is that it was a brilliant game um, that suffers a little bit from its 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 biggest crime is not telegraphing uh, where to go, what to do, um, but it's a game that probably is a lot easier to play now with the aid mm-hmm. of the internet, and is is better yeah. for it, uh, and is a game that I urge anybody who likes Zelda to go back to, and anyone who likes Dark Souls, Salt and Sanctuary to go back to. There you go. All right, that's going to do it. Um, you can find me at a90skid.com and the 90s Kid YouTube channel and on Twitter at GameThinkTalk. How about you, Attila? You can follow me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro or my personal handle, Attila Gabriel. You can also submit feedback, questions, comments about the show at my website, BluishGreenProductions.com. And uh, if you're curious, I just released a game onto Steam not too long ago called Orbit Satellite Defense. There you go. Check it out. Real-time strategy, satellite defense. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.